All of it is supported by Missouri, makers of handcrafted jewelry that's made to last. Looking for the perfect Mother's Day present? Missouri has you covered. Get free shipping on all orders in the U.S. and Canada, plus a two-year warranty. Head to Missouri.com slash all of it or use code all of it for 10% off your first order. That's M-E-J-U-R-I dot com slash all of it. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. This is all of it. Sometimes there's nothing quite like a poem to capture what we're feeling. And in these difficult times, poetry may be the source of comfort or a way to reflect on what's going on all around us. As someone eloquently put it, that someone being my next guest, by the way, quote, a poem can provide testimony. A poem can provide solace. It can provide a connection. But it can also provide a sense of something you knew was there, but you couldn't quite put into words. I think they can often articulate for you, and this is true for the poet as it is for the reader, something you didn't quite know. That sense of mystery, but also a revelation, is what I turn to poems for. Since April is National Poetry Month, joining me now to share the poems he's been reading and he's been writing is Kevin Young. He's the poetry editor of The New Yorker, where he also hosts their monthly poetry podcast. He's also the director of Schomburg Center for Research in Black Culture, and he's the author of 13 books of poetry and prose, including his latest, Brown. And if all that sounds like a lot, well, Dwight Gardner of The New York Times has said that, quote, keeping up with him is like trying to keep up with Bob Dylan or Prince in their primes. Kevin Young, welcome back to all of it. Hey, good to see you. Hear you. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see you. I'll see you soon, my friend. I um, know, uh, I know. I got dressed up and everything. <laughs> how, how? Why do you think that we reach for poetry in times of distress? Uh, you know, I th- I've been thinking about this a lot because uh, I really think poetry is a ritual that sustained us for millennia, you know, and we return to it in these times of crisis, uh, a death, a birth, you know, celebration as well. Uh, and it really provides some of the things I said that you read, uh, solace, but also I think it, it kind of uh, provides, if not the answer, then the question, uh, and gets us thinking about where we are, who we are, and there's this long connection we've had across, you know, decades, centuries to it, and it, it lets us, it puts us in our bodies, but also takes us out of them. There's something really special about a poem its ability to ground us, but then to kind of take us into uh, other realms. And listeners, if there's a poem that's really resonated with you in these last few weeks, please share the poem or the poet with us on our Instagram or Twitter at all of it, WNYC, a poem or a poet that has really resonated with you in the last few weeks. So Kevin, I tease that you would be sharing some of your poetry with us. Would you share a poem? Sure. I'll, I'll read a poem from my last book, Brown. It's called Hive, um, and it's, I think, about spring, um, called Hive. The honeybee's exile is almost complete. You can carry them from hive to hive, the child thought, and that is what he tried, walking with them thronging between his pressed palms. Let him be right. Let the gods look away, as always. Let this boy who carries the entire actual whirring world in his calm, unwashed hands, barely walking, bear us all there, buzzing, unstung. My guest is Kevin Young, poetry editor of The New Yorker, director of the Schomburg Center for Research in Black Culture. Go on, Kevin. 
No, I was just thinking about that boy a lot because he's sort of all of us, you know, mm-hmm. tr- trying tenderly to take ourselves through this time, uh, which is a time of danger, uh, you know, of, of when even touch becomes something we're wary of. Uh, I was watching a movie the other day and people were touching each other in the face. I was like, what is, what are they doing? You know, it's really yeah. shocking to see. And it's amazing how quickly our world changed. Um, and I think poems are able to name that. And often some of the most powerful poems, which I'm sure some of your readers turn to are things that were written well before this that speak to us now. Uh, that poem of mine was written before this. Um, but also I, I think that all, all is to say that poems can be both timely and timeless. And the best ones, I think, are like that. And I'm seeing a lot of them come across my desk at The New Yorker, uh, where I'm poetry editor. That's interesting that you mentioned. There's a couple of things I want to tease out there. You know, you mentioned, you know, a lot of us read poetry as kids, maybe. You know, we're assigned it in school. Sure. Um, if you could assign a poem or two for this moment, not just for kids, but for anyone, you, what would you recommend? Well, I mean, I think there's so many powerful uh, poems. You know, after 9-11, there were a a raft of really powerful poems, but the New Yorker published one called Try and Praise the Mutilated World that I think is really a a powerful poem that thinks about how can we talk in this moment. Um, You know, we've been publishing poems that I think speak to this moment, some written before and some written right now, um, that I think in the end of this will have a... Uh, poems, all of us, not just from The New Yorker, but a set of poems that think about this in lots of different ways. Um, some quite personal, some quite uh, you know, larger and trying to speak to the uh, everydayness, but also the kind of you know forces that are, are I'm aware of being uptown and thinking about the disparities and how uh, COVID-19 is, is, is uh, causing folks to die. And, you know, there's a lot, I think, that people are going to be wrestling with for a while. My guest is Kevin Young, poetry editor of The New Yorker. Oh, Kevin, we got a poem on Instagram. Uh, Thomas Lynch, Bells and Whistles. Do you know it? I don't offhand, but should I'm I, always eager to hear new poems. Should I, should I read it? Maybe I should read it. I'll give it a try. Go for <laughs> this it, yeah. Is, this is from Julia, by the way, who sent it to us uh, via Instagram. The Presbyterian bells play, Be Still My Soul, Out Commerce Road, the Catholics toll the Angelus. The monkish cross themselves and pray. The fire whistle signals some damage within earshot. Men drop what they're doing, come on the run, breakneck with their lights and sirens. A house fire or heart attack, or else news of a child lost, or grim word of a child found. In life we sing, we are in death. Thank you, Julia, for sending in that poem. As somebody who's been an editor at the at the New Yorker, what have you noticed about any change in poetry? Have you noticed that does it come in themes? Does it come in waves for you? Yeah, it definitely comes in waves. I mean, I think before uh, you know this, there were sort of themes that people were writing and trying to write. I think people were trying to write about politics a bit more. Um, people were trying to wrestle with the current moment. Um, but I see that continuing and, you know, I, I don't know if doubling's the right, it might be quadrupling. We're definitely getting mm-hmm. more submissions and people writing of the moment. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's a good thing. I think it's good that people turn to poetry, not just as readers, but as writers, because it sort of uh, sometimes feels like the only thing you can do, um, which is a lot to create a world, to create a poem that speaks and hopefully speaks not just for you but to others and not just for now but for always 
I mean, that's a, a goal we all, I think, can appreciate. And um, I saw something online that Billy Kahn said, uh, the virus has slowed us all to the pace of poetry, which I thought was an oh. interesting way to think of it. Um, certainly, I think also uh, poetry is better suited. You know, we can't make a film with a bunch of people right now. We can in our rooms or in our, on the street with a mask on, uh, you know, create a poem that lives uh, and, you know, joins us. I think that's the, the thing that I love about a poem is that it can connect us. It can for that moment of the poem, make bring you somewhere else. You're that other person, that I, that voice speaking for the moment of the poem and a little bit beyond. My guest is Kevin Young, poetry editor of The New Yorker and director of the Schomburg Center for Research in Black Culture. We asked you to pick a poem to read to us, um, one that's not your own. We're going to hear another one of yours at the end. Yes. But um, what poem did you pick and why? Yeah, I picked a poem that's running this week in The New Yorker on the April 27th issue. Uh, by Campbell McGrath. It's called At the Ruins of Yankee Stadium. Uh, and it's a long poem, but it's about New York. I'm just going to read some of it. But it, it, I think, captures, you know, both the memory of New York, the mournfulness of uh, what turns out to be this moment, but also, uh, you know, larger questions that uh, I think haunt all poems. So uh, the first line, which I, I'm just going to mention, it, it starts out, it is that week in April when all the lions start to shine, which I think is such a great line. Hmm. Um, but like I said, it's a long poem. So uh, I wanted to skip to what's sort of the middle of it, the beginning middle, let's say. Uh, and it starts with thinking about trees and then moves to New York. This is Campbell McGrath. How many times have I reflected upon their superiority to our species, the trees of Earth, Reflection, self-reflection, my job is to polish the mirror, to amplify the echoes. Even now I am hard at work researching the ineffable. I loaf and invite my soul, for Walt Whitman is ever my companion in New York, thronged carcass of a city in which one is never alone, and yet never unnagged at by loneliness, a hunger as much for the otherness of others as for the much-sung self for something somewhere on the verge of realization, for what lies around the corner, five or six blocks uptown, hiding out in the Bronx or across the river in Jersey, somewhere on the streets of the city right now, somebody is meeting the love of their life for the very first time. Somebody is drinking schnapps from a paper sack, mm -hmm. discussing Monty Python with a man impersonating a priest. Someone is waiting for the bus to South Carolina to visit her sister in hospice. Someone is teleconferencing with the office back in Hartford, Antwerp, Alsaka. Someone is dust sweeping, throat clearing, cart wheeling, knife grinding, day trading, paying dues, dropping a dime, giving the hairy eyeball against a wall. Someone is snoozing, sniffling, cavorting, nibbling, roistering, chiding, snuggling, confiding, pub crawling, speed dating, pump shining, IV trimming, tap dancing, curb kicking, rat catching, tail telling, getting lost, getting high, getting busted, breaking up, breaking down, breaking loose, losing faith, going broke, going green, feeling blue, seeing red, someone is davening, busking, hobnobbing, grandstanding, playing the ponies, feeding the pigeons, gull watching, wolf whistling, badgering the witness, pulling down the grill and locking up shop. 
writing a letter home in Pashto or Zosa, learning to play the xylophone, waiting for an Uber X, conspiring, patrolling, transcending, bedeviling, testifying, bloviating, absolving, kibitzing, kowtowing, pinky swearing, tarring and shingling, breaking and entering, delivering and carting away, and reefing lampposts with yellow ribbons, reading a pollinaire on a bench littered with fallen petals, waiting for an ambulance to pass before crossing First Avenue toward home. My guess is Kevin So that's Young. part of at the Please. Uh, that's part of the At the Ruins of Yankee Stadium by Campbell McGrath. It's interesting. You know, we made a call out for people to tweet us or send us their favorite poems on Instagram. We have Reality Demands by, I don't hope I get this right, Wislawa Simbroska. We also have one called The First... Yeah, the first lines of emails I've read while quarantining. That one is long, but quite spectacular. If you have a chance to go to our Instagram and check it out. And as, as I was asking for these, and they were coming over so quickly, I'm thinking about the role social media has played in making poetry more accessible sure. to people. How do you view the role of social media and poetry? I mean, I think it's great that, uh, you know, I think people were already turning to poetry, um, I know that just, you know, when I first started out writing poetry, I'd say I was a poet, people like, well, why would you do that? Uh, and, <laughs> and then, uh, especially because my family, no one was a poet or, you know, it's like I come from a long line of very practical people or farmers or, uh, you know, my parents um, weren't that, uh, weren't literary in that way. They were artistic in other ways. So, you know, to me, uh, it also has accompanied a kind of expansion in poetry and, and who's writing and who's getting published. Uh, and social media has really let people see behind the curtain in some ways, which I think is really important to, to let people know you can you can write and um, you can publish, you can publish in lots of places, but you can also uh, promote those places and carry those poems with you. Uh, and social media is one of those places we do that. And I want to remind our listeners that WNYC is doing its own poetry challenge this month. The prompt is answer the question you wish someone would ask you right now. You make that the title of your poem, and you can submit your poem on Twitter or Instagram using the hashtag pausepoetry or email them to mywnyc at gmail.com. An example would be is uh, Yvonne Conley wrote, Can I Hold Your Hand? And her poem is, Can I Hold Your Hand? It feels so long since I was in that safe place, that place of togetherness and warmth. Can I hold your hand? I will sit and wait amid the silence of the city until I can answer, of course you can. Such a lovely poem. We'd love to have our listeners write in. So, Kevin, I, I would, can I get you, I put you to work again. Can I get you to read one more poem, <laughs> one of yours? Yeah, sure. Um, I'll read this poem, which is a new poem. Uh, it's in Orion magazine. It's called Egrets, uh, the birds. Uh, and it takes place in Louisiana, but it could be uh, a Louisiana of the mind, I guess. Egrets. Some say beauty, maybe the egret in the field who follows after the cows, sensing slaughter. But I believe the soul is neither air nor water, not this winged thing, nor the cattle who moan to make themselves known. Instead, the horses standing almost 15 hands high, like regret they come most of the time when called. Hungry, the grays eat from your palm, tender-toothed, their surprising 
plum dark tongues, flashing quick and rough as a match. Your hand, your arm, startled into flame. My guest has been Yorker Poetry Editor Kevin Young. Kevin, thank you so much for sharing your poetry with us. Thanks for having me. All of it is supported by Majuri, makers of handcrafted, ethically sourced jewelry for every day that's made to last. Looking for the perfect Mother's Day present? Majuri has taken the guesswork out of gifting, offering everything from dainty 14K solid gold pieces to pearls, diamonds, gemstones, and more. Make it personal with an engraving, or if you can't decide, check out their curated gift guide. Let them take care of the rest, gift wrapping included. Get free shipping on all orders in the U.S. and Canada, plus easy returns and a two-year warranty. Head to Missouri.com slash all of it or use code all of it for 10% off your first order. That's M-E-J-U-R-I dot com slash all of it.